Hello and welcome to the only podcast that's all about Fort Meade, our community, and life in the military. I'm your host, Joe Nieves. And I'm your co-host, Sherry Kuiper, and you're listening to Fort Meade Declassified. So, hey Joe, how's it going? Good to see you. It's good. Sherry, how you been? Uh, Busy. Uh, you know, I know we're, we're looking at each other via Skype right now, and um, I thought that maybe I'd have a little bit more downtime with COVID. That has not uh, proven to be the case at all. I don't know about you. Yeah, there's been a lot going on. Uh, I mean, things keep moving. Uh, you know, everybody everybody's doing what they got to do to maintain, and there's been a lot of, a lot of change, a lot of change yeah. lately. Absolutely. All kidding aside, um, we have been working really hard. And uh, Joe, I know we got some exciting stuff you've been working on, which I can't wait for you to get to tell everybody because it's very cool. Uh, But um, I've been on post recently. And so here's some exciting news. And I know, Joe, you know this as well. But we are now at HPCon Bravo. So we have actually gotten better. So we've been in Charlie for what seems like forever and now we're in bravo yeah very good news very a very welcome change everybody's really looking forward to progressing forward you know with everything that's been going on so this change you know it's a significant milestone you know and and we're all hoping that we can progress further as time goes on but you know patience you know that'll that'll see us through in the end well, and I think just with this this pandemic and everything, I mean, especially at the fort, everyone has worked so hard to to stay healthy and keep the mission going. And clearly we've done that. And um, we get to go to HPCon Bravo. Joe, do you know, I, I mean, I don't know what, what insight you have, but what is this going to really mean for the service members and families? I know that there's going to be some restoration and some different services that had to change up during HBCon. Uh, Charlie, do you have any other insights? Because I know you've been working really closely on on this as well. So um, we're we're looking at changes with the CDCs and CYSs. Um, Fran, who was on our show not too long ago, you know, he talked about some of that stuff, and there's going to be more changes going forward. So people really need to tune into our social media and to our website so they can see these changes. As as we move forward, those changes will start to update on social, then the, and they'll update on the website. Um, there's so many services that were affected, um, and not everything was closed. Obviously, the base kept moving forward. You know, we were doing what we had to do to maintain. Right. Um, but But there were changes, and so things will hopefully start changing back. Um, that's going to be a slow process, but stay tuned to our social and our website and you'll, you'll see what's opening or what's hours are changing or how their processes are changing. There's a lot to take in. So just bear with us. And I think I just also want to remind listeners, HPCon doesn't mean that alpha is next. It doesn't mean that Char- it, Charlie's coming back. It just, this is just where we are currently. And that's how we just need to, to spend our time focusing until until this pandemic gets to a much better resolution than, than where we're at. And kind of going with the good news train, 
we've got a new product, Joe, and I know you've been spending a lot of time working on this called Digital Mead. So, Joe, why don't you tell us what Digital Mead's all about? So, Digital Mead is going to be a new one-stop shop for all social news updates for for Fort Mead and and our general community. So, we're we're working on creating a place where all of our platforms can be found. You can find all of our, you know, our Facebook, our, our Twitter, our YouTube, where we have, you know, uh, Mead Week. Um, you'll be able to find news articles. Um, you'll be able to find bulletins and updates from leadership. And the ultimate goal is to also like start incorporating articles and and posts and updates from you know, all of our tenants on the installation as much as we can, you know, that's, and it's an evolving process. The pay, the digital meat itself is going to be an evolving thing. Um, what we have in mind may not appear in, in the very beginning, but we're working on it and we're working towards something greater. And we're hoping that when people want news or want to know what's happening, they know exactly where to go. Yeah, I think it, I think it's really cool. I'm excited to see it. I know you've been really working hard on it. I know you, I got a little preview of it the other day, and um, as I, as I said on the call then, I really like the vibe of it. I like the vibe of where it's going. Um, I'm one of those people I like to get everything kind of in one place, and I think it's very cool. But I think it's also very important for us to talk about right now, um, and which will also get us into our interview this week is the Fort Meade Sound Off. The last edition is on the stands now. It came out on the 25th of June. And and that's it. The the Post newspaper, um, a fond farewell to it. Um, It's been around, gosh, to be honest, I don't even know. I feel like at least the 60s or so. I remember when we were working on, and I could be way off on that. So if you're listening and saying it's way older, I apologize. but when we were working on the book, uh, Fort Meade, the first 100 years for our 100th anniversary in 2017, we dug out some of these old newspapers and old archives and, yeah. and they dated back pretty far. So, so I don't know officially how long the Fort Meade sound off has been around. I have not been around as long as the sound off, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, so it's a little bittersweet, you know? Um, yeah. The, some of us out there, we, we love the newspapers in our hands um, and we love love flipping through them, but <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, you know it is it is time to change that up. And so hopefully yeah. we can do justice to the sound off uh, with Fort Mead uh, with Digital Mead rather, and to you know still do those news articles, still bring you all the information that you got in the sound off to Digital Mead, just in a new exciting way. With that too, Joe, that's who we're talking to today. So we are talking yeah. to, to Rona. And Joe, I know you haven't had the privilege of knowing Rona quite as long as I did. But Rona Hirsch was the assistant editor for The Sound Off. And she was with the paper for 17 years. She joined, I believe she said, in about August of 2003. We really got a great opportunity to sit down with Rona and just kind of talk about her experience and, and all the different things that she did while, while she was hanging out at the sound off. So Rona, big week for you. Yes, it was. It was a, uh, it was tough. 
because, uh, like I've written, I've been here just about 17 years, and I've grown attached to the community and to the people that I work with. And it's and, just let go. Right. And, and as a journalist, you really get to... I mean, you get attached to your coworkers and things anyway, but as a journalist, you really get to know your community in a way that a lot of people don't, right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, when I do interviews with people about who they are, what they do, their background, I, I really develop an intimate relationship that way. And we both share that for however long that person lives and works in Fort Meade and I have an opportunity to meet them again. And that applies to whether the person is the commander, a, a sergeant, or somebody who works in one of the shops on Fort Meade or a family member, it doesn't matter because when they share with you details about themselves it I think it's just a natural feeling that a person would have toward the one they're sharing it with and there's this bond that's there for for as long as you know each other and I love that that was my favorite part of being a, a news person on Fort Meade with with the end of the sound off, it's kind of like the end of an era in a lot of ways. Uh, I know we see people come and we and go in the military. It's just a part of you know it's part of life in in the military. But but you've been here for seventeen years. It's your brand yes, of storytelling I've... has been around. That's correct. Yeah. When I arrived, uh, Colonel John Ives was the commander, and I've been here through seven different changes of command ceremonies, and I had the good fortune to interview most of them when they came in and some when they were leaving, and, and Colonel Ives as well when he was leaving, and I was... I had a relationship with his wife as well. Some of the spouses of the commanders are such an important presence on Fort Meade. They're involved in so many activities that you can't help but always bump into them. So I chose to interview the spouses when they were leaving as well because I felt they had a lot to add. And some were career women, some were not. They were homemakers, but they felt they were part of the Army as well. And I was always struck by that when they say, well, when we were in the Army, we decided, and they were always part of the planning with the, com with the spouse who was a commander. And I was so impressed by that. And they felt an equal sharing of responsibility to the community, and some more than others. But there was always that feeling of commitment and responsibility, and I was always impressed with it, and I loved meeting them and talking to them. There were some commanders that were not as forthcoming to me as others. Mostly the case was is I was really their first 
the first person in the media who interviewed them. So for the most part, they were shy and reserved, if you can believe it. And over time, they basically became more comfortable with talking to us. And some of them really opened up and never had any qualms of speaking to us, particularly me, because I established that initial bond with them, which I loved. And it was hard for me when a commander would leave or a sergeant major or a commander of a battalion or a company who I had forged a relationship with. So, Rana, before you came to Fort Meade, you were a journalist in the civilian world. So I'm very interested to know what made you decide to come and work at a, an Army newspaper? Well, like I've said, I was introduced to military in a kind of indirect way through my father, who served himself in the Army during World War II. And he was an attorney, and he had even contemplated at one, at one time much earlier being part of JAG. And he loved the Army. And he would talk about it, and he would sit me down with him to watch these old war movies. Going back to World War One, World War One, World War Two, Korea, and I watched them with him, and I was fascinated by it, and I always had an affinity for it. And there could have been some reporters over the years who felt that this was just a stepping stone to another position in another newspaper where they'll get some basic training. But for me, I I really did embrace the culture and the lifestyle here and the soldiers and the military in general. I found it to be very intriguing. It was different. And I always had some interest in it. And when I came, it was, it was just barely the start of the war in Iraq. And there was a lot going on here. There was deployments all the time. There were family readiness group meetings. Uh, legal aspects that had to be dealt with. There were so many aspects of the whole, the whole thing, and I just really fell into it. And it was very challenging for me because so much of it I was unfamiliar with, and I had to be educated by it, whether by public affairs people or reading up on it, or by the soldiers themselves. And also the fact that Fort Meade is a joint installation added another element because it wasn't strictly Army. There was Navy and the Air Force that I dealt with as well. So all in all, it was just such a wonderful experience for me. And I like different. I don't want to be in the same rut of covering zoning meetings and just the same old in a regular civilian paper. This brought in a whole new element. And it was a great experience for me and for everyone else who worked on the newspaper over the years. So, Rona, I I have to ask, you know, because you're part of, you know, the Fort Meade PAO team and, you know, you're a storyteller. How has working on the sound off and with the Fort Meade team influenced you as a storyteller? Well, I think it improved my skills at it and to look at 
different aspects of when you sit down and do an interview with someone in the military because they add so much more than a civilian would. And I've interviewed many civilians on Fort Meade, heads of agencies, staffers. Uh, so I've, I had that experience. And I did have minimal experience interviewing some soldiers in a civilian paper for various reasons. But they, they just give a different, they just have a different story to tell. So learning how to approach them and discuss it with them, because some are reticent to talk, and of course some people couldn't talk because of the nature of their work and their, the sensitivity, but I guess it taught me how to explore with them how I would tell their story. So, Rona, today I was reading through, so the last um, edition of the Fort Meade Sound Off came out today, and Rona, you and Lisa and Jack have beautiful stories uh, in the Sound Off, right, right in the smack middle when you open the paper, and I found it intriguing. I was reading that at some point you were offered a, another job, a civilian job, and you were... You were asked to stay here at Fort Meade, and you did. So I'm very curious, if you're willing to tell us, what job did you pass up to stay here? Well, I was, I am a contractor. I was a contractor for the Baltimore Sun. And a subsidy of that was then called Patuxent Publications, Patuxent Publishing Company. And they had several community newspapers. And the way it was is that an assistant editor of SoundOff, the previous, two previous to me, went to one of those community papers. And she was an editor, and she invited me to interview for the position of a features reporter. And it was in Ellicott City, and... I was strongly considering it for various reasons. Uh, it would have been a closer commute for me, and it would have put me in the civilian community. It had certain appeals to me. And I had previously worked in the Ellicott City area. I had worked in the Howard County Bureau of the Baltimore Sun years ago. So I was really considering going, and I was just about to accept and I told Chad Jones about it, who at that point was the editor of the paper when he first arrived at Fort Meade, which is several years after I started there. He was the editor, and I was, was I then? I think at that point I was a reporter. And when I announced that I was going to leave, he really sat down with me and just about what we do here and felt that I would be making a mistake by leaving. And he used those words, we do important work here. And I thought about it and I said, I said, okay. So I turned down the job offer and I decided to remain in Fort Meade and I never regretted that. Just to have a little fun and really kind of get to know some of your favorite things over Fort Meade over the years. So you ready? Yes. Okay. <laughs> let her let it go. 
All right. For question number one, favorite commander? McCready, Colonel Kenneth McCready. Hands down. Okay. Okay. Your favorite PAO? Chad, Chad P. Jones, of course. <laughs> Are you sure, Rona? Is that the answer you want to stick with? Yes. Are we talking public affairs director? Yes, we are. are. Yes, absolutely. Yes, we are. Biggest story you covered here at Fort Meade? You know, I did, pretty soon after I arrived, I did a story about shoplifting at the exchange. And I have to say it was a great story. And it was great because I wrote about all the aspects, the security involved, which is extremely sophisticated to my surprise, and the repercussions, whether the shoplifter, most of the time were kids, teenagers, but if it was a federal employee or a military person or a spouse, and then through the court system. So I went through all the angles and I spoke to JAG and the DES, the police, and I sat in the back of the exchange, the old exchange, with the security, the managers, and they showed me their system. And the whole thing was fascinating. And it won an award. It was unsolicited, won a journalism award from the uh, from a military. So, so building on that, Rona, what would you say was the craziest story you ever wrote? Well, boy, there was so many. (laughs) Gosh, there were a lot of things that I was assigned to do, and I said, I can't believe I'm doing this. But I wrote about (laughs) toothbrush giveaways, the toothbrush fairy who would appear at different places, and she would distribute toothbrushes. So I I wrote a story about that. I wrote about the change of command of the dental activity with that and found out some interesting facts about dentistry in the military. Um, Well, I mean, offhand, it's hard for me to pinpoint because there was, there were several wacko stories that I've never, ever did anything like that before. So I- Toothbrush giveaways are kind of weird. Oh, I mean, it was a huge event. I said, oh, my God, how I have sunk in my journalism. Oh, man. Who, uh, who, Rona, is the most interesting person that you have gotten to meet because you worked for the Fort Meade Sound Off? See, that's tough, too, because I did meet so many interesting people. Can You, you can name a couple. We're interesting people. They're, they're all interesting. Everybody. That's a fair answer. I think as a journalist, yeah. you have to find the fascination and interest. So many are it. In everybody you meet. You do because yeah. that's how you, you, it's reflected in your writing because you focus on their, on them and their personality and their accomplishments. And there are so many life like that 
so many of those people that I interviewed, some people that you would never think, and then you sit down and talk to them, and it's, it's a whole revelation. Really? That's who you are? That's what you did? And I was always astounded by that. And that could have been people who worked in cyber on the NSA or someone who managed a shop on Fort Meade. Uh, well, I definitely haven't been here as, as long as you have. And I've met so many interesting people. So, so I, I understand that. I understand that, that it's very hard to just even name a few. Um, but I'm sitting here Next thinking. Week, I would get back to you with that. <laughs> Name a few specific individuals. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But as as we're going through these questions here, I was really shocked that your biggest story wasn't the closing of the Fort Meade golf course. You've been on quite an adventure on Fort Meade. You've seen things. You've you've met people. Um, what's, What's next for you? Right now, I am uh, really not sure yet. I have to sit back and take some time and evaluate and see where I want to be and what I want to do. Of course, I want to continue writing. I guess it probably would be for now as a freelancer for some other publications. And, of course, if Fort Meade needs me, I'm always here to help if I can. But, um, you know, when you're a writer, you're a writer for life. And there's always stories to tell. So, Sherry, uh, you know, it's the summertime now. We're, we're, we're into the summer now. And right. you know what that means. That's PCS season. Like, I, I know it's looking different for everybody right now with everything that's going on. But, uh, but we have some people coming and going, right? That's right. With PCS season comes change of command season. And that's the case for Lieutenant Colonel Thomas Chapeau our headquarters battalion commander, whose change of command is on June 30th. I had the opportunity recently to talk to Lieutenant Colonel Chapeau about his time here at Fort Meade, and here's what he had to say. On any given day, the headquarters battalion, uh, we have the mission for the garrison to provide military funeral honors to the five-state region. Uh, That's probably one of our larger aspects uh, of what we do that we've just picked up here last year, in fact. Um, and we, on average, do between 40 and 50 funerals a month uh, for the community, for veterans, retirees, um, and deceased service members that have paid the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, on top of that mission, we have a variety of functions to include. You know, we support the staff, staff judge advocate office, the chaplain's office, uh, all of the chaplains, chaplain's assistants. Uh, Those folks fall up underneath the battalion, and so we provide that support to the community. Uh, In addition, all of the law enforcement officers, the military side, I should say the military police, uh, fall up underneath the battalion as well as the military working dog detachment. So we've got a number of aspects from the protect, secure aspect. Um, Some of the additional things that the garrison commander has afforded me the opportunity to to get smart on, if you will, was uh, I was a part of the housing focus group for the garrison uh, and meeting on a monthly basis with residents in order to provide transparency and improve the relationship between the residents, the garrison, and Corbius, our privatized housing partner. 
So let's just talk. So as you're um, getting ready to head out the door here at Fort Meade, what, like, let's go down memory lane. What's like one of your coolest memories? What's one of the coolest things you got to do uh, while you were here at Fort Meade? I tell you, Sherry, you were there for it. The one that really is the most notable that surprised me. Um, you know, I hadn't been on board very long. I think I was here maybe a couple months, if I'm not mistaken. And I think it was in August of uh, August of 2018 sometime. I was invited out to the Bowie Bay Sox game and they had asked, hey, can we uh, can we have you come out and do a dog demonstration and on behalf of the garrison throw out the first pitch and i said absolutely i'd love to do it and uh and so we worked out a little routine with the demonstration and then we worked out a piece with the dogs bringing the balls up to the pitcher's yes. mouth um and then having the opportunity to throw out a pitch in front of you know i mean maybe it was only 500 people i don't know but it seemed like a lot more than that but it was a great experience and i will never forget that it was really truly as uh it was one of those defining moments as a brand new battalion commander to see the depth and breadth of uh, what we can influence at the garrison level. And so it was a truly humbling experience for me personally. If I recall, your pitch was pretty good too. <laughs> well, it was a little high. I do remember that very close. It was a little high, but it, uh, yeah, but it worked. Yeah, at oh, least he caught it. That's so fun. That, that was a cool game. I, I remember I got my picture taken with AXA, I think. Yep, exactly. And, and I got, yep, and, oh, and, um, yeah, those guys are great. I love the working dog demos, but yeah, that was a fun one. That's very cool that that was one of your, one of your favorite memories. Um, what, you know, what else, um, cause you have done a lot of community engagement events like that. So how important is it for you to get out? Cause I know I've, I've been there for many of them, um, where you're speaking on behalf of the garrison. How important of a role do you feel like, that is for you to get those opportunities to go out and do those engagements. In terms of mentorship, it's for me personally, it's absolutely critical. Um, being given the opportunity to go speak on the garrison commander's behalf in, you know, with the community uh, and to be able to reiterate what his goals and objectives are and what, is, what his vision is, with our relationship with the community is a phenomenal opportunity that uh, I've really grown to appreciate. And you never truly understand just what, how much it takes to make sure that you're saying the right pitch and, and you're saying the right things to the community so that you don't a upset them, uh, B turn them away or, you know, C get them angry at you. So um, it's part of growing and developing that relationship with the community and, to have an opportunity to do that as a as a battalion commander, um, sitting back watching the garrison is is truly humbling. I guess, from my opinion, I mean, it's a it was a great opportunity that I wouldn't have gotten in a traditional battalion or any other battalion. Again, I would like to say thank you uh, to our community partners, to the residents, um, and uh, to the garrison staff for supporting me over the last two years. Uh, it has been a tremendous ride for me personally, uh, and I really just want to say thank you to all of those that have helped make my command success. Over. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Fort Meade Declassified. Be sure to follow us on social media or download the Fort George G. Meade app from the App Store. Please be sure to visit our website at home.army.mil forward slash mead for up-to-date information on COVID-19.